How you doing, Jubanger? I'm good. How you doing, Granado? Yeah, good, good. Feeling like that <laughs> teenage mutant ninja turtle that I am. Oh no, I was thinking of Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, no, nah, I prefer the teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so yeah, uh, Leonardo Granado. There we are. What's uh, what's the week been like? Have you had a good week? Uh, my week has been good. It's well, actually it's been a bit bitty, um, just because, as is the way when it gets towards the end of term, like you get a few cancellations, and um, and my little boy was ill towards the end of the week, which kind of throws my schedule out of whack a little bit, and I have to juggle. But also, I suppose within these these new uh, limits that we have, I I was a bit like. I don't know what to do. I, I've flow tested him and that kind of thing, but if people don't feel comfortable coming, so there's all this that you have to kind of interject into your work now. It's like, are people comfortable coming? My little boy's not well. I could get unwell. Yeah, and some people find some people were like, no, let's let's go into Zoom. So it's like these these all these new things that you have to think about uh, with this new normal. So. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's fine. It's just that whenever he's ill, there's also another part of me that's like, I need to be there for him just in case something happens and he gets worse. Like I've been in situations where I've been at work, I've come back and he's been like progressively worse to the point where I've had to take him to hospital. So there's always the, the like, little things like that in the back of my mind where I'm like, I just want to monitor him. He's fine. You know, he's got a temperature, da, 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 but if it gets worse, I just want to be there because... I don't know. You can just sort of tell when things kind of go off with kids, and they go, and they go off really quickly. So yeah, it was. It's just sometimes it's really difficult juggling. It's like calling it. When am I going to work? Am I just going to sit with him and 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 just monitor him? So I kind of made a couple of calls this week as well to to just be there for him as well. Mm. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Good. He's getting better. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah, he's much better. And that's the other thing about kids. They bounce back pretty quickly. But there's always moments where they just get worse and worse and worse. And you're watching them and you're looking at the temperature and you're thinking, oh, and, uh, and then they just and then they start to bounce back. But it's it's something that I find quite hard to deal with um, just because you feel so out of control. And mm. that's something that's the place I don't like to be because there's nothing to do. Sometimes you can monitor, but you can't control. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's like, um, yeah. yeah, actually you talking How's about your him. week been? Yeah. All right. You know, you talking about him there was, uh, uh, do you remember last week when we were talking about, uh, just kids and sleep and, uh, you were like, it was like to do like five, yes. six, even nine years old where, like, you know, still having trouble waking yes. up in the middle of the night. And I just came across something yeah. funny enough was, mm. um, like in terms of child sleep schedules, there's no such thing as like, a developmental point where they just sleep normally. So some kids will just do it within weeks and you, for yes. some strange reason within like, you know, 12 weeks or something, they'll be sleeping 12 hours through the night, but other kids will be waking up in uh, the middle of the night, a couple of times a night for until like five, six mm. years of age. And then, yeah, so it's just, there's no, there's no normal for that. And, um, so that was, that was good to find out. It was interesting. Cause then you're just like, all right, mm. it's going to be a crapshoot. We're just going to wait and see what happens when uh, the kid comes along. But yeah. apparently there's a lot you can do in terms of, uh, um, so-called sleep training. 
and getting that on point. And what did you learn about that? What did you What did you find out about sleep training? Um, just very bare bones are just in terms of environment that you create for the child to sleep in and, uh, the routine that you put into it as well. And mm. what was the other thing? Um, yeah, just essentially associations for, uh, for the child. So that environment, the routine, the associations that they develop with, um, uh, with going to sleep and then, yeah, it mm -hmm. just starts to help them to settle yeah i'm really glad that you said that because um, and i was talking about this the other day with a couple of friends there's there's a method there's a cry out method as well where you essentially leave your child to to just cry out and soothe themselves and it's something that never really sat well with me mm. um and i did try it and i hated it and it just it, it works for some, it, it just didn't feel instinctively right for me. So actually knowing what I know now about sleep and knowing what we've kind of studied and discovered about sleep, actually giving them that circadian, that daytime visual so that they can set their clock. I think mm. that has benefit, right? But mm -hmm. then also doing that wind down so that they start to understand and and cycle down into sleep. It's like, that's something that I'd never considered with, with my little boy. And I actually think, even though we did have a bedtime routine, I actually think doing it consistently would have been better. Because <clears throat> he was terrible, he never slept at all. Like he would wake up hour after hour after hour. So I think if I could do it again, I would definitely have more of a schedule and more of a, a sleep routine for him. And, mm. and just actually making the room more sleep induced. I think that's really important as mm. well. Um, foods, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, it's like, <clears throat> you have a better sleep schedule now. Um, we definitely do. Uh, I mean, he's 11, so uh, things change in terms of his development uh, fairly quickly, but we, you know, we both are upstairs and in our rooms by a certain time. He'll read, journal, whatever. He does watch TV, but he finds that that's a way that he can kind of dial down, mm. whereas I find it less. Um, he finds reading difficult just for a few, a few reasons. So he prefers the visual of just kind of dialing down like that. And actually, he's really good at sleeping now. He only listens to affirmations. So that then transition, transitions him into sleep. So it is. It's like a little adult. Um, mm. And I think, you know, what you were saying before about children, it's like, Adults have different sleep routines, different ways of sleeping. So mm. they are just tiny humans, aren't they? And mm. yeah, okay, they might not know developmentally that this is how we sleep, but they, they're all going to have different ways of sleeping. It's like, no, I never really needed that much sleep. Eight to 10 hours a, a day, and that's it. Whereas other children needed 14. So I never really had that with him. He was always just a very, very short sleeper. And that was how he was wired from the off other children are different yeah yeah especially like you get to the adolescent <clears throat> years as well and um teenagers tend yes. to sleep more too so it's actually yeah. yes requirement so that'll probably change yes. again <laughs> yeah for sure and i'm seeing it he's he starting to sleep until eight half past eight which is it's very unusual it's like this is a new a new line for him and he'll start sleeping until nine ten and then it'll come to a point where i'm having to start waking him up and that'll be weird again but yeah, I, I, I am glad that he's starting to get into that because I feel like he needs that and he'll benefit from that sleep health, you know? Mm. Yeah, entirely. 
yeah, it's, um, it's the bedrock. Yeah, get some good quality sleep and everything else just <laughs> flows from that. It's huge. It's so important. I love my sleep. I, I miss it when it's fractured and fragmented. fragmented. So, yes, mm-hmm. it's hugely important. Yeah, yeah. You had a few weeks where you were sleeping a little rough. It's like, how's that improved now? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better now. And I couldn't give you, it, there was no rhyme or reason as to why I was sleeping badly. Just, you know, probably things on my mind, lots lots going on. But I, I, I'm just doing, and, and I got out of maybe a couple of habits of not doing the things that would help me settle down into sleep. Mm. Um, so now I'm, I'm just, I'm back on my routine of doing gratitude journaling and normal journaling and breathing and doing a relaxation and, and just trying to switch off my thoughts. I think for me, it's just trying to switch off my thoughts and not think about things that are worrying me Mm. or that are vexing me. So it's just about, right, let's put that to one side and actually focus on getting some good quality sleep because it's very easy to let your thoughts wander and then before you know it, you, you've been in bed two hours and you haven't had any sleep yet. So mm. actually, it's it's actually an art form to just go, right, let's dial down into sleep and not think about everything you need to think about. And that's what mm. journaling is really good for, because it gets those thoughts out before you then lie in bed and think about those thoughts. Mm. So I don't know if you find that. but Yeah, fully. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rumination mm. is just uh, the worst way to go. Yes. So it's like, you're uh, just like one thought and you'd say, okay, well, hang on a second. Let me, then you just start going from one thought to the next to the next. And, yeah. um, and then that's when I'm like, I get up and I just go, all right, let me just make a couple notes here because I'm going to need to remember this for tomorrow. Mm. You know, sometimes you just lie in there and then something just comes to you like, oh crap. Yeah. I forgot about that. And yeah. then yeah. you try and cement it in your mind by just going over and over and over. It's like, okay, I just, must remember this must remember it's like then i just go yeah. no get up just as uh, as, as uncomforting it is to get up when you just feel like you're in a comfortable position yeah. in bed it's like no you have to write this yeah. down otherwise you're just going to keep thinking about it and um yeah so it's a it's a great uh, it's a great uh, tool to use uh, journaling and uh, just to get that out yeah. and yeah i think like uh, also what you've talked about there is something that is um um quite important because a lot of people you just get annoyed that they're not falling asleep mm. and you're just going to have a couple, like, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, can't really put your th- you know, finger on it. But um, but all you can do is just keep doing the things that you know work for you to get you into a good quality yeah. sleep because it's just, it can be, it happens, you know, like we go through phases where sometimes it will be easy and um, other times yeah. for whatever reason it just stops being so easy. But then... Um, that's yeah. another opportunity to just kind of like zoom out and be like, what's actually changed? If it's a consistent thing, if it's like several nights on the trot and you go, all right, what's actually different? Yeah. Sometimes it might just be the environment, you know, it's like, I remember last summer where we had that one week where it was like 20 plus degrees easily during oh, the God, night. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think everybody remembers that. It was just, yeah. it was horrible. And I even remember it looking at, yeah, I even remember looking at my whoop scores as well. It was just, um, just recovery was just diabolical uh, during those, uh, during that week. And uh, so, yeah, it's just something you can't do much about. You just do the best you can, you know, have some cold showers before you go to sleep and and um, try and yeah. do everything else that um, you're doing to get uh, to get a good night's sleep. But that's just something that you're just going to have to accept. So what's good there is in just realizing that I'm just going to have to accept it. And that can make things mm. easier to deal with. So you wake up the next day not feeling so uh, irritated by the fact that you haven't had good quality sleep because you just know that it was just going to yeah. be one of those things, and you just you just have to you just have to live with it. 
and um, yeah, and that kind of helped as well. So as annoying as it was, it was like, well, it's just going to be one of those things. So I'm just going to have to yeah. gonna have to live with it, and um, and just yeah. crack on. I think yeah, absolutely right. And um, when we did the podcast with Sarah Mackay, and I got to bed really late, it I it was exactly the same thing. It was mm. acceptance of. I'm going to get a little sleep. Mm. It's going to probably be a bit fractured because I'm hyped up and I'm just going to have to deal with the next day. As long as I don't continue this fractured sleep, then I'll get back on track and that's fine. Mm. I think I think maybe that was part of it, the not sleeping, because we had a few, well, we did have three very high profile guests and, and you know, that's an additional level of stress as well, isn't it? It's, a, it's good stress and it's, it's, important stress but it is worrisome nonetheless and right. you want to do a good job so yeah. i think that's part of it as well and you know it's just and life stuff as well that's part of the reason i don't sleep sometimes it's just life stuff you're just thinking about things and like you say that mental load of thinking about all these things that you've got to do and actually just writing them down mm -hmm. and dealing with it because whenever you're in bed and thinking about them just before you go to sleep they're always so much bigger and more intense and more dramatic in your head and then you get yeah. up the next day and you're like it's not actually that bad yeah i can deal with this it's fine do you know so yeah. something about being in bed that mm. just catastrophizes things a little bit more so <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a good practice to um to journal stuff and just get stuff out from your head onto paper mm. yeah i think um it's a lot to do with the the time that it is where you're essentially by yourself and you are allowing mm. thoughts to just bubble up um because yes. you know you haven't got anything else to do except for just lie down and fall asleep and then yeah the thoughts come yeah. to the surface and then you start to you know realize there's a whole bunch of stuff there and um yeah something to something yeah something to kind of contend with and um yeah there was something oh, i forgot what it was now because when you when you mentioned that but oh yeah it's just literally the you know like the 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 trail of thought just ran out of track there what <laughs> just happened oh, like, yeah, i knew I, where this was going i have that all the time yeah, exactly that's where it happens at least like once a podcast to uh I, to both of us as well yeah, to both of us it's just it just goes i'm like oh crap it's, it's just forgotten and it comes back yeah why am i saying this why are we, why are we here what are we talking about why yeah. am i starting this conversation yeah, yeah i know but the uh, yeah it was uh yeah i think it was about something about rumination oh um yeah because that's what is okay this is where it was going because i was like how did i make that link it doesn't even matter a lot of times you don't even yeah. remember how you make the link but it's just going there because no. the is like uh rumination what i find is is um um that thing of yeah it's actually that thing that you said of it being uh a lot worse like a thousand times worse in your head when you get in get into bed um i think that's a function yes. of like just it's an interesting thing at least for me what i find is is just if it's ruminating in my head if I actually mm. literally, if I say it out loud, it has mm -hmm. like nowhere near the weight that I thought it had in my mind. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, yes. so it can be something like, you know, for example, I could be carrying some doubt and then I literally express that and I go, I'm not, what am I talking about? I'm not doubtful at all, <laughs> you know, or I'll there have a line, go. I'll have a line of thinking and, um, 
and then yeah, just get that line of thinking just gets expressed. I'm trying to give an ex- I'm trying to think of an example because it literally happened to me yesterday. Um, and then yeah, then I just start laughing about it. I'm like, oh no, it's actually not as big a deal as I'm making it out in my head. I literally just get it out of my system, and I go, yeah. oh yeah, no, everything's totally manageable. Oh yeah, it's just you know. For example, just you know, thinking, weighing up a lot of different things. It's like, okay, I've got my coaching business, I've got, yeah. um, I've got the podcast, and I'm thinking of adding like other streams to my business. It's like, okay, um, my accountant just emailed right. me, and I need to do something for them, and then I've got uh, a couple of other things that I need to take care of, and then you know, just like yeah, those thoughts just build up, and then you just start thinking to yourself, I've got way too much to do, and I've got no time to do it, and oh shit. But then I said those things out loud, and I was like, just, just do one thing. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, start. okay, I'll just do one thing and I'll do the most important thing first. Yeah. And that's deal with the coaching aspect of my business. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> right. So I started doing that and I just felt immediately like, you know, you just feel a lot better because you're just doing something uh, meaningful and you've stopped the, the ruminations in the track by just taking action. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, and that's what's important. And then, so it's very easy for me to start running away with, I've got this one thing to do. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, I've got seven things to do. Oh, no, wait, that's 27 things now. And I just go, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Reel it right back in. Do that one thing. Mm. And think of that one thing. Do that one thing. And then, you know, chalk it off the list. And then you've got the next thing to do. And then at least that way you can go to bed knowing that you've done at least one thing, which is uh, going to make your life easier the day after. So... I think yeah. um, that's what's interesting about it is just when you just stay in your head, things feel and you make them a lot worse than they actually are, but you literally express it yeah. in, you know, in one sentence, this is, this is why, how it worked for me is I can just in one sentence, mm. then everything all of a sudden just feels fine. You know, you gain a hell of a lot more perspective yeah. just because you just go out of your head and um, put it out there in the world and you go, oh, right, yep, it's yeah. nowhere near as bad as I thought it was. And that's, uh, that's quite a nice thing to do because I feel, especially, you know, over the last year and a half or so, with um, a lot of people feeling isolated and uh, not really mm. having any kind of social interaction and just that ability to express themselves, you realize, like, okay, just doing that one thing where you can, finding something that you can do to express yourself is... Um, is going to help you just get out of your head and 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 um, and stop it being something that uh, uh, dominates you and makes you feel lesser. You know. Yeah, yeah, I totally know that. And that was amazing that you actually do that yourself and you go through that process yourself. Um, mm. Because it was it was like something that we were talking about with um, with Cindy uh, Curious Neuron um, in the podcast a couple of podcasts ago, and how when you your thoughts can be jumbled within your head, can't they? They can be they can just be all over the place, and and, and they can and they can go from different things, and and they can be so much bigger in your head. But then when you actually start to verbalise and communicate mm-hmm. and actually say the thoughts that are in your head out loud to someone, and this is maybe a really good way of segueing into what we were going to talk about, actually those thoughts can lose their intensity and their power and they don't feel as bad and actually it isn't as awful. And it's like you said, if you start with one thing, that often snowballs and you move into the next thing and the next thing. But when you're in your head, when you're locked in your head, sometimes 
you can just get a bit overwhelmed and and I think it's important either it's great you talk to yourself talk to someone else talk to a therapist it's all these things are so valuable but I actually feel the more that I talk and the more you know and I've bizarrely over the pandemic talked more than I probably ever have in the last decade <laughs> and actually learning to communicate and get the words from your head out is is amazing mm. and it makes you feel so much better but it also just makes you more able to communicate mm -hmm. but for me in particular being able to get the jumbled jungle of thoughts in my head out has been amazing yeah so, yeah we can talk about that now if you want yeah yeah well yeah you gain a lot of time more clarity right so it's like it's like you're walking yeah, through a jungle with absolutely. your machete and just chopping stuff down and yeah you know, oh there's the clarity there's the route there's the path there's the clarity yeah absolutely and and i suppose this is a good way of going into something that i wanted to talk about um today and i've been thinking about it for a really long time and kind of just you know just oh, i don't know if i should talk about it i don't know <laughs> if it's the right time it's quite a vulnerable conversation in a way but just to talk about therapy mm. and and it was and i was inspired by cindy because she was talking about how she had had therapy and that she put it out there and yeah it's, it's quite a vulnerable thing to do to talk about it but i just thought it might be a useful conversation for our listeners and you know i've had over the years various um chunks of time where i've i've gone to a therapist and it has and is super super useful um and i think the reason i've gone is because I kind of treat mind work and talking therapy a bit like, and I approach it a bit like I'd approach musculoskeletal therapy and movement therapy. If like, if I want to uh, say there's something wrong with my musculoskeletal system, I'll go to an osteopath or a physiotherapist, or I've got a dysfunction within my movement patterns or my musculoskeletal patterns, I'll go to an osteopath or I'll go to a personal trainer or I'll go to another Pilates teacher, but I'll go to someone to help me change those dysfunctional patterns within my body, within my muscles, within my nervous system, within my system. So I'm like, so with that approach, I was like, well, then maybe therapy, mind work. The brain is like the control center for everything else in our body. It, it's like the, the master control. And if that's not working as well, and we have these kind of thought processes and patterns that maybe aren't serving us or these beliefs that behind everything are kind of maybe a little bit more negative, then maybe I do need to do some mind work, some therapy work, some talking therapy, as therapists often call it, to help me better understand my thought patterns and processes which is really going to have a knock-on effect and a trickle-down effect onto my body because, as we all know, the body tends to, tends to keep score for things like emotions and thoughts and feelings that we're maybe suppressing. And if they are all jumbled in my head or there's something going on or I've been through something that I consider traumatic and I'm not talking about it and it's all just in my head, then that's going to have an effect on not only my body, but everything else, every other aspect of my life. So for me, I feel like therapy is part and hand in hand with everything else that I do. 
And that's why I feel like it's an important discussion, but also that it's just, it's not even like, it, I don't even think it has to be something catastrophic, but it's just, we all go through difficulty in, in our lives, don't we? I don't think anyone escapes life scot-free without going through some sort of difficulty, whether it's something big, like there's a death in the family or there's illness or I don't know, there's a car crash or there's abuse or whatever, or it can be little smaller, tinier difficulties, not tiny difficulties, but just dealing with a difficult boss or, you know, not being great with money or something like that. So I feel like everyone goes through difficulty and you might get affected by that. You know, it's like that, that then creates trauma within the body, within the brain. And I think what therapy is really good at doing is helping you unravel that and helping you understand why and how and making sense of those thoughts. And then also just talking about it and being given kind of advice back by someone not within the situation. Um, it's a safe space to talk about things. You can talk about anything and they're not going to judge you or give you advice that maybe is unwanted. So you, it's, it's like a really nice safe space to talk about things that are affecting you and to help kind of make sense of them and help them lose their intensity in a way. So that's why I've done therapy over the years. And I think it's a really valuable practice. Yeah, completely. So I think I love the way you said it as well. It's like you're working on your mind as if you were working on your body. And yeah. Yeah. It's like removing unhelpful patterns that have been stuck. And uh, that's what we do when we have injury, say, you know, yeah. you will go and see a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, an osteopath, whoever it might be, because you've had a physical injury and a physical trauma mm. and you're going to try and overcome it and you're going to try and fix other yeah. problem. It's the same with mm -hmm. the mind is like, you can have a trauma, um, a pattern from that gets embedded. And yes. then the next thing to do is to unravel that pattern so you can live a healthier life rather than, you know, use mm. the physical analogies rather than like limp on and, and make things more difficult for yourself. So yeah. it's, um, it's completely, it's completely it. And there's, um, in Sarah's book, um, Demystifying the Female Brain, she spoke to, I can't remember if it was a neuroscientist or a psychiatrist, someone, but basically saying like, you know, we need to treat mental health in a similar way to kind of ailments that we get physically. So to the varying degrees that we get them. So you could have yes. a physical illness, sorry, you could have a mental, um, illness, which is like getting a common cold, you know, you know, the equivalent of that, or you just like, you know, a really bad flu. And then mm. you've got a mental illness, which could be the equivalent of, yeah, like a, a traumatic injury, which is going to take months and months to heal from. And, mm. um, it's, it's severe. So yeah, using that kind of paradigm to compare it to is going to be helpful because, for whatever reason that the stigma mm -hmm. around um, mental health issues and receiving therapy exists, if we can look at it in that same light, then we will remove that stigma and it just makes us feel a lot more at ease to just go and explore and uh, realize that 
it's mm. the same thing as if you picked up a physical injury or you had a physical problem and you're just trying to work through it. So do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that whole parallel between picking up a physical injury and then limping on, it's like you pick up, uh, if, let's say, like a thought process or a thought pattern, a thought injury, if you like, then mm. that pattern can be there the whole time. It might be just staying under under the radar, but then it might come out in a situation and you're not reacting to the situation. You're reacting to previous trauma. Mm. So do you know what I mean? And it's a bit like an injury. It's like you yep. might be trying to do something, but the injury is there underneath reacting. Mm. So unless you talk about that and you try and get rid of that, that unprocessed whatever, that difficulty, that trauma is always going to be there affecting every relationship, every conversation, every situation, every environment. So talking about it, unraveling it, figuring out why and maybe doing work around it to become okay with it is is going to be hugely beneficial and that's what we do as coaches with physical physical stuff so i feel like me working on my mind is not because there's something wrong with me and i think this has been instilled into me not through anyone but maybe just my belief system that if i say that i go to therapy people think there's something wrong with me and it's like mm. well, no there's not it's just i'm i'm just being curious about my thought processes and my belief systems and i want to try and make myself better so that i don't repeat old patterns i don't get into old cycles and habits and i can move forward it's like you you can learn and grow from any past trauma but I think if you don't and you're repeating the same patterns and the same cycles over and over and over, you're just going to go through life just just repeating the same things. And it's the same with injury or whatever. It's like if you don't fix it or if you don't do something about it, it's just going to keep coming back or it's going to keep going. And then you're going to get to the end of your life and go, oh. And it's like I just I knew that I wanted to change so many patterns so that I could live a better life and grow from all the things that, that, that may have gone wrong in my life, you know? Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like highlighting that something hasn't gone right and moving, moving on from that. That's what, uh, that's what mistakes are, right? Uh, that's what mistakes mm. are, but that's also what you just point out is if you're experiencing life in a certain way, which is holding you back, then it's time to get curious about it so that you can blow through mm. that and uh, not let it be a thing. And yeah, and therapy would be the way to do that. Absolutely. That'd be a way to do that. Mm. And there's there's various types of therapy as well. So some people might not resonate with just yeah. talking it out. It's like, okay, fine. And you know, you got EMDR, I guess, is um is is one option for you or you could do something else. I know you've you've experienced a few different types as yeah, well as like for different scenarios, right? Yeah. And I've written them down just because there's the, the different descriptions as well. But I mean, therapy is essentially talking therapy. But within that, there's loads of different strands and types. And, and I would say I've done my fair share of it. And I think probably one of the, the biggest things that I've done is psychodynamic therapy, which is like a global therapy. And it's more of a kind of holistic focus on the person as a whole so you kind of look at all aspects of their life and why and how and their history and their family history and things like that 
So that's a really useful way. And you get feedback from your therapist, which for me works really well because I, I need that feedback. I've been in therapy and it's more kind of, I think, Freudian therapy. It's like more of a talking therapy where you you just sit and they listen and then you go. So nothing kind of gets resolved in your mind. It's almost like that idea of talking gets it out and that's it. And that didn't really work for me. I quite like that push-pull of someone who isn't within my life going, well, what about this? If you thought about this, it's like a, a safe space to discuss. Um, I've done cognitive behavioral therapy, so CBT. And I'm going to read this out just because I won't remember. It's a type of talking therapy which focuses on how your thoughts, beliefs and attitudes affect your feelings and your behavior and teaches you coping skills for dealing with different problems. So the thing with CBT is it focuses on the problem that you have right now and it gives you tools and, and ways of dealing with what you're going through right now. But it might not focus on the root cause. So I always was quite interested in focusing on the root cause as well. Where's this all come from? Why? Why am I experiencing this now? What's happened to allow me to experience this now? So that for me was quite useful. Um, I've done motivational enhancement therapy as well, which is MET. And that's a direct person-centered approach to therapy that focuses on improving an individual's motivation to change. So there's loads of different types. I've also done hypnotherapy, which is incredibly powerful. Um, and that's very different, again, because you actually get put into a trance-like state. And then within that trance-like state, you're given positive suggestions to help you move through whatever it is that you're experiencing that's difficult. And that probably is one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. Um, mm. But, yeah, it does wear off. Um, but mm. that was incredibly powerful. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways. It's just I think it's also about the therapist, you have to gel with someone much like you would in life. It's like people come to me and sometimes I don't work for people and other people come to me and, and we work really well. So it is about that rapport that you have with a therapist and deciding whether you want to work with them as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Completely. And um, something that you said there as well, which was about the mm. uh, looking at the root cause and trying to figure out what the root cause is um mm. yeah there's kind of an argument that it's not necessarily in some cases not necessarily that important because the more you try and dwell on what's no. happened is stopping you from actually just taking the action that you need to take now to overcome the behaviors that you have sure mm -hmm. yeah um and i think that's and I think that would definitely work for lots of people. But I think because I have cycled between lots of therapy, I think I'm at a point now I'm at a stage where I'm like, OK, I understand everything. I've done all this work, but I'm like, why? And so for me now, from where I am at mm. my stage, I'm like, let's just cycle back and understand what this core belief, where has everything, if we could like have one thing in the middle and track it all off from there, where where's this all coming from? And it's almost like that NKT thing, that neurokinetic thing thing where you neurokinetic therapy thing where you find that one muscle that's out of whack and it has a trickle down effect into everything else. And I guess that for me, it's like I want to find out what that main core thing is. And then maybe that just might help me to understand everything else and, and do the work on that. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, it's like it matters depending on the circumstances, doesn't it? Yes, Hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So have they, have they all worked for you in different ways? Yes, they have. I mean, I've, I've had some where I've just felt like for what I'm coming to that particular therapist for, they've maybe not, not got the experience, but maybe just that isn't their main focus. And I need, yeah, their forte. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've been to some therapists that have given me terrible, not advice, because they can't really give you advice, but have pulled my decision towards something that maybe wasn't the best, best way. So it is really interesting. Like, mm. I think we've got to remember, much like us, like therapists are still people. Yeah. They come with their own trauma and their own set of issues and th- thoughts and feelings and understanding. And sometimes the way that they might see things might not necessarily be the best way for you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, if, and, and, and that's, that's one of the things it's like, if you feel like something isn't working for you, it's okay to say that you, you, you don't want to do it anymore and that it's okay to go and find another therapist. So yeah, they've, they've all given me stuff. I think just talking about stuff in a non-judgmental space with someone that isn't in my life, has been beneficial all throughout my life, but I'd see the differences because I've had a few, I've seen the differences. And I think the most recent therapist that I've spoken to, she's definitely for my moment in time, the best one for me. And so, yeah, and that's gonna change throughout your lifespan. It's like different experiences in your lifespan are gonna draw you to different therapists, much like they would draw you to different movement practices. So I think, everything's been beneficial but i feel like now i'm really getting to the bare bones and i'm really learning a lot about myself so it's um mm. it's it's just been it's just been it's, it's fascinating and it it definitely helps me within my life within my work and if you are struggling with something anyone that's listening or or you're saying to yourself things like oh i'm bad at this or oh, i'm just like that and you know and and you keep hearing these words or phrases in your head like oh I'm no good in relationships or I'm so bad with money it's like maybe just get a bit more curious about that dialogue that you're saying to yourself it's like why do you think that is that just something that you've resigned yourself to or where's that come from it doesn't have to be like that you can change and change a cycle at any point in your life you know so um I find, and it makes me more attuned to what people are saying. It's like I, I kind of like my ears prick up when I hear certain things and I'm like, why do you think that? And it depends how well I know mm. someone, but I'll, I'll sort of investigate and get curious and be like, why do you think that? What's brought you to that point? Oh, I'm terrible with mm. money or I'm no good at this or, oh, I do this too much. And it's like, why? Do you know why? Mm. Have you thought about it? And And maybe just peel off some layers and see what's actually going on underneath. So I guess it helps my relationships as well. Yeah, big time. It always would do. You know, working on yourself, if you're more comfortable with yourself, you're going to mm. uh, be better with people. Um, and that kind of thing as well. You're more accepting mm. and more empathetic towards people's different viewpoints as well because one of the common things that happens is 
100%. to feel like you need to speak to someone and you know you can be speaking to friends about it but it's that unsolicited advice that you're talking about or pointing you in the wrong direction and yes. there's a judgment that comes yeah. in as well and to be able to talk and or for somebody to be able to listen in a non-judgmental way and be able to provide mm. some level of support of that it's difficult for most people it's um that's why most people yeah. are therapists so there's um mm. uh, there's there's a need to for people in general to just be accepting of a viewpoint no matter how warped it is to be able to investigate it yes and and yes. help and if it's out of the person to help them investigate it if that's what they're looking for as well so you don't even uh just yeah just leave like that leave that judgment out of it because that's the thing that makes it hardest for people is that's what that's why people don't reach out in a lot of cases is because they just feel yeah. like it's like you're thinking of a certain person you might speak to it's like no they're probably gonna come at it from this angle and they're gonna think yeah. this and i and, do that mm, yeah yeah that's, that's gonna happen yeah absolutely and then mm. yeah and then He's like, okay, well, this person's too close to me because if I'm going to be feeling angry about a situation, they're going to start feeling angry about the same situation, and that's not going to help me. And and so you just filter through, and you're like, oh, I've got no one left. <laughs> you know, I can't speak to anyone because of True. how any um, any um, what's the word interactions with them have gone down in the past. And so if that's mm -hmm. what you've got to go on. You're thinking something. Uh, something's not going to be able to something useful is not going to be able to come out of that and uh, and this is where i me personally is uh, i just try and uh, be that person who if somebody needs to talk to me is like i'm not going to try and solve your problem for you i'm going to mm -hmm. help you figure it out for yourself and just mm -hmm. try and listen even if it's awkward even if it's difficult um just be like hey i don't give a shit what it is just say it you know go ahead just use mm. me as a sounding board whatever you need to do um so i think i think that's that's something that i developed which has been super 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 important to do so because it just hey. yeah just leaves people to feel a bit freer a bit more relaxed and just by having that i think will help people be less tense about any issues that they go through just knowing that you've got several close friends or close people that you can rely on who ain't going to judge what you're mm. going through and are just going to be able to be there for support when you need it in this non-judgmental way mm. i think that's good for mental health just knowing that itself like yeah. not because oh, that's then, massive yeah because if you can if you can do that then you know that any problem that you have is not insurmountable and mm. when you know that no problem that you have is insurmountable then you're going to go through life with a lot more, uh, a lot more hope, right? And that's an important yeah, thing to go through definitely. because otherwise, you know, mm. there's, there's, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of people who don't consider their future. There's a lot of people who are behaving or acting out as if the things they do don't matter, but, uh, but it does, mm. it does. What you, what you do does matter. Um, or rather if you want to take a look at the universe as this, completely neutral thing so it doesn't matter what you do one way or the other then essentially it comes down to a belief system if you believe that what you do doesn't matter then by extension 
you should kill yourself right now <laughs> because like, you know, take it to his logical conclusion is like, this is not going to have an impact. It's not going to, it's not going to do anything, yeah. but actually it will, because yeah. there is some way that this is going to have an impact, whether there's one person who gives a shit about you or, uh, um, and even if it's just practicalities, it's like, it's going to be some random person who just finds me dead. This ain't going to be pleasant for him. Like, you know, little things like that. <laughs> no. um, so yeah. if you choose to, if you choose, if you choose to look at it in that completely nihilistic way, then, um, you're, I think there's no juice in life for you. Whereas if you choose to look at mm. it the opposite way that what you do does matter, then I think countless times over it's proven that those people are the ones who do best in life and the ones who have the most fulfilled life, let's say, is it's what's more important. So those kinds of things are going to be helpful just to be able to be somebody who um, can be relied mm. on by other people and to be non-judgmental and just be there for them in one way or another. Just the, the knock-on effect that we can't see of that is uh, is bigger than a lot of people think. Mm. I agree. I agree. Like just, and that's what it is. It's like, and I think that's it could, because at the end of it, people just want to help. People come from a good place when they give you advice, or and it is unsolicited advice, or they or they're saying stuff like. But also, they, people can't meet you where you are at if they've not experienced what you've experienced. They can only meet you where they're at from what they've experienced and their environment and how they've been brought up. So sometimes the advice that is given isn't useful because they don't know and they're trying their best. And and, and that's lovely. But actually, and, and you know, I've I've stopped talking about a few things just just and I, and I always say with the general public and I don't mean it like that, but just sometimes with like emotions and memories and thoughts and feelings sometimes it isn't useful to discuss it out of a safe space because the the advice back or the 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 words back just they don't make me feel better and actually sometimes vocalizing memories to the general public and and what i mean by that is just like friends family whatever rather than a therapist Sometimes it can almost make you feel worse than make you feel better. So actually processing stuff within a session, within a therapy session, rather than talking it through with people can almost give you the time and space to process maybe quite difficult memories and thoughts and feelings um, and allow your nervous system to regulate and dial down rather than being ramped up by everyone else around you. Because what happens when you talk to people about difficult stuff is that you're then worrying about what they're thinking and how they're going to react. What if you cry? How are they going to react? Because many, many people find it difficult when you are going through and expressing raw emotional feelings. And, and so then suddenly you have to then worry about their response to what's happening to you so then it becomes like a a more difficult conversation whereas when you're in therapy you can say whatever the hell you want and you can express it however within reason how you want and that person's trained to know how to deal with that and actually a lot of the time they're like let it out 
just let it out, let it out. Whereas when you're talking to friends and family, not only are you going to potentially get advice that maybe isn't the most useful, it's meant from a good place, but it's maybe not useful. But there's also that added pressure of don't cry, don't, don't, don't react, just, you know, because you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. So what therapy's done for me as well is like what you were saying. It's like, it's, it's allowed me that understanding that if someone did come to me with something that they want to talk about, I'd be like, just let it out. And I do it with my little boy all the time. I do it with friends that do come to me. It's like, just let it out. It's fine. Well, however you want to vent this, just let it out and tell me. Because this is non-judgmental and I'm here and I'm not going to give you anything, any advice. I'm just going to let you voice what you need to voice. So I think that is really important to have people around you that you can go to. But it's like you say, a lot of the time, I will literally chuck it through my head and I'm like, oh, no. But now I'm like, oh, it's fine because I've got a safe space to talk about things. So have those people around you. Brilliant. But if you haven't or you're not quite sure, then go and get a therapist and have that safe space. Mm. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's made me think of a couple of things there as well, which is mm. just um, like the kind of level of isolation that we're experiencing, not just because of like the pandemic era, but mm. just in general. Um, there was yes. some result from... A study that was, or an, yeah, uh, a study or some surveys that were done since the 70s, um, the number of people who have, who consider themselves to have close friends, uh, the number of people who consider themselves to have zero close friends has gone up sixfold in men and in women less, but it has gone up. So it basically went from, I think it was in the 70s. It was men, mm -hmm. like 3% of men who were surveyed said uh, they have no close friends. And now it's 15% of men um, who were surveyed saying they think they've got no close friends. So that's uh, it's a big jump, right? That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it is. And then it's like, why? Yeah. Why is that happening? What's exactly. going on? Are we not having communication? Are we not having better communication? Are we not reaching out when we need to? Is you know, is it a mental health thing? Is it just that we're more isolated and our online lives are taking over? Like, what is it? Why? Mm, you I know, think... it's like I could count on my hands, my good friends, but I haven't got loads, but I have got them, and that's yeah. so important. Yeah, like the the greatest number of friends was i think between like two and six right so close friends and that's mm. and that's that's a normal number like there was some people there were yeah. a fair number of people who said like above nine or something like that but basically it's going to be you can count max on two hands who your close friends are pretty much and yes. um and so the ones who are saying like you know for that for that number to increase by that much i think yeah the, the first place my mind goes to is towards the fact that we think that our online lives can substitute for social physical connection and yeah newsflash no. that ain't gonna happen right is uh no. there's, there's something intangible um about being in somebody else's company that it's that energetic transfer yeah, you know exactly so it's like that's something like, you know, from a scientific level, we'd be like, yeah, it's something that we don't understand why this happens. Like, for example, Cindy was mm. talking about Couvard syndrome, 
where men mm. experience the same symptoms as their pregnant uh, partners. Uh, you know, they might put on weight, they might get home like so-called hormonal, they'll have those mood swings or whatever it is, they'll they get food cravings in a similar sort of way. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's like, that's not surprising at all. It's just when you talk about it scientifically, no. you you don't have a mechanism for it. You can't explain it. But uh, yeah. But when you are people, you know, you hang around with people, there's, there's something going on there which it might take the longest time for us to actually mechanistically figure out exactly mm. what's going on. But, uh, but in that meantime, we shouldn't be surprised by things like that. Um, no, so, it's like when women's periods sink, you know, it's right. like women who spend a lot of time together, their periods sink and it's like, it's exactly the same thing. Right. It's not, but you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's like you take on char characteristics, I think, of people that you spend time with as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising to me at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a big part of it. I think, um, we think, you know, the, the, the quantity of uh relationships we can make in the online world some <laughs> reason thinking is going to replace the quality of them is like i don't know whatever it is like something like 750 friends on facebook maybe but it's like so how many do you know <laughs> yeah exactly how many, how many, how many, do, how many do i actually to? know it's more like uh, there's a lot of people i can you know maintain connections with um but how many sure. do i actually want to hang around with you know um or on a regular basis and yeah, but, there's, exactly. but then they ain't even throwing shade at anybody who i am connected to that's just a fact no. of life is like you can't physically be able to hang around with all these people there's there's only so much bandwidth in your brain to be able to handle that as well is um you just don't sure. hang around with that many people is that's why whether we realize it or not like something like taking the underground is uh, mentally uh, anxiety riddling for our brains, even though oh, even though we don't hate it. Yeah, so I know, like I know you talked about it as well in the past, and hate it. Yeah, and it's one of those where, um, but even just for people who don't display any kind of symptoms of anxiety or anything like that, it's just is mm. there, it's there in the back of your mind that there's there's a tiny like it's a tiny vessel like 150 people crammed together and, oh. and you know, you're, you're underground. It's like just the thought of it is like making you shudder, but, but it's, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, but it's in, in, you know, you're just seeing all these strangers and your brain isn't wired like mm. from an evolutionary perspective to recognize that, or to be okay with that number of people around you in such close vicinity. Oh. So, it's um yeah it's it's a that's that's a problem in the sense that thinking mm. that those number of connections that i have is going to make up for the quality of connections i could have on the which i could count on one hand actually won't mm. it really won't and um but it's uh yeah so for me there's the aspect of the online online life and online living is it's all for all the virtues that it has. We have to recognize the vices that it brings along and be able to manage that because we get really easily caught up in that, uh, in that kind of lifestyle, yeah. in that kind of life of just thinking, Huge. yeah, everything's, yeah. everything's like, you know, desperately available online and you can do and live life online. And then 
but when it comes to real life, things don't feel quite the same. You know, you get that, uh, you don't, you don't feel as good about it. And yeah. And just the fact that we have all of that available to us online, I think should, um, uh, don't think not should, but could substitute for, uh, for actual physical social connection. So I think that's one way we could all evaluate ourselves is like looking at what's going mm-hmm. on online and, um, I think it was thinking to ourselves, okay, it's great. It's nice to have these connections. It's good to keep in touch with certain people who I wouldn't have been able to without mm. this, but then also making sure that as just like you're nurturing those kinds of connections, you're nurturing even more so the, the people around you who are you know, physically close yeah. to you and you're developing those social connections because that's what's going to, um, that's what's going to like make a difference to that mental health more so than uh, than whatever's going on online. You're so right. You're so right. And actually, as you were talking, it was making me think. Like I, I am naturally quite an introverted person. Right. I, I like spending time on my own. I, I can happily spend a lot of time on my own. I mean, I know I've got like a house full of children and animals, but actually, in terms of adult conversation, it's like I get very little. Um, and a lot of the time I'm okay with that because I am, I am quite insular and I can just like happily roll along. Like we, you sent me that thing yesterday about what sort of creative type are you? And I am, I'm in my head and I'm a dreamer and I have a very, very colorful imagination and I've got a very colorful internal world. So I'm quite happy. But recently I've been like, I need some social connection. I actually don't think this is healthy for me. And someone said to me the other day, it's like, you need to get out. It's, it's not just, it's not just for you, not in that way, not like just get out because you're a bit sad. Um, it's like, it's going to make you, it's like, this is your self care. It's like, you need to get out and go and see your friends because you're going to get, you know, you're, it's, it's going to make you a better mother and, and, you know, just more patient. It's like, you, you're allowed to do that. And a lot of the time I do get really guilty even if I, you know, think about going out, but actually what you're teaching your children or you're teaching yourself is that you are priority and, and it's that whole kind of oxygen thing in, a, in an airplane. It's like you put your mask on first before you put your child on first, because actually your health and your self-care has to come first so that you can then take care of everyone else around you. So for me, I'm not very good at getting out and being social and people literally have to grab me and pull me out, come out with us, dude, come on, come on, come on. And then I know how good it is for me when I actually get out. And I went out and saw a couple of mates yesterday and it was so lovely. And it was just really nice to get out and have actual conversations and just laugh and not be online. And I was like, shit, yeah, I need to do this more often. I'm going to have to make this happen and incorporate it into my month somehow because it's made me feel mentally and energetically so much better. I have so much more energy today because I have blown off some steam. Like I went up to London with them and I was drinking water and, and it was just so nice. I don't know why I need to feel the need to mention that, but I wasn't out on the Raz getting drunk. It was just like, I just went up and met them and it was so fun. I don't know why. <laughs> Look at me. I'm so healthy. I didn't mean it like that, but, um, it was just that lovely thing of, of talking to people and being out. <laughs> but then yeah. I walked back through South Bank and there were so many people. And that's when I got a bit overwhelmed and freaked out. And I was like, right, I need to go home now. <laughs> so it, it, <laughs> it is, it's, it's 
so beneficial. But I also think for someone like me who is quite introverted, there is a cut-off point where you're like, right, I need to go home now and be on my own as well. Hmm. Yeah, okay. That's fun. I mean, <laughs> you know, the thing the thing it made me think was, like, you know, imagine all the friends that you just met up with yesterday and how fun it was. But then, you know, there's literally teenagers out there who have the same friends on a group chat on WhatsApp or Facebook message yes. or whatever it's going to be. Yes. And uh, thinking, like, that's going to be the same thing. It's like, no, all you have to do is get out with those same I friends. It's yeah. like you could literally, like, out, word, word for word, you could put the banter that you had with them yesterday into that conversation. And you could look yeah. at it and be like, oh, it's yeah. fun. This is hilarious. But then it's going to be nothing like actually being out there and experiencing somebody It'll else's laughter and yeah. seeing their face is, um, is, is completely yeah. different. So, um, yeah. But it's, also, it's it takes wildly. a conversation elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes a conversation elsewhere. On WhatsApp, it's so lost, or online, it's so lost. But actually, if you and I were talking right now and having an actual conversation, it would probably be so different because we would be, like, feeding off each other. And it, I think it would just be, you know, different. And it is different. And But also, you're reacting to your environment as well. So we were out, and there were lots of other people, and we were listening into other people's conversations, and we were, like, discussing what they were talking about. Right. <laughs> and, uh... And that brings it into the conversation as well. So you experience stuff that you wouldn't experience online because you're out and you're you're viewing life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So exactly. That's the difference as well. Yeah, it would just be a different vibe. Like uh, you know, we'll have this conversation, but the fact that you know we'll physically experiences each other each other's energy as well is going to be yeah. It's going to add something yes. add something to it, and that's why. You know, there's a lot of instances where I could you know I listen to podcasts a lot. I like. Um, the different kinds of conversations that people are having but mm. even even just if it's like the format that we're in it's just you know you just see two people's yeah. faces or two people's bodies and then they're interacting mm. um but seeing that as well you actually get to see and feel and experience how that person is putting together a trailer thought rather than just hearing mm. a voice that just yeah. pushes it out so um you know, a good example of it was just like listening to Andrew Huberman's podcast where he had his first guest on, which was a psychiatrist called Carl Dyseroth. And oh, that's right. It sounds like he's, yeah, it sounds like he's got like a kind of a monotonous, not monotonous, a monotone. That's the word I'm looking for, monotone voice. Uh, but then mm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to see what this, so I'm listening to him. And then I thought, I'm just going to see what uh, this guy is like as well, because there's some video clips of mm. the conversation that have been put up. And uh, you look at him and like, oh, it looks like nothing like what you expect. And, you know, the way he's expressing himself is completely different to what it's coming across like on the podcast. And yeah. you just have a little bit more for empathy for someone because you can see them in that sense as well. And he's like, you know, he's wearing a cap while yes, he's doing it. So he's pretty I laid agree. back. He's pretty laid yeah. back as well. So you're like, oh, no, he's a different character to what you think he would be just by listening to him. And... um and that's a fun little game to play as well, right? It's like you hear somebody's voice for the first time, you don't know what they look like, and then you just go, what, what do I think they look like? And then you go and actually look it up, and like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, like, I've never, ever been close <laughs> to, to figuring out what a person looks like based on what I've heard that's them really sound like, right? Um, yeah. Because I know for whatever, you know, however the, uh, like, whatever my memory bank is uh, made up of and constructing based off of all those thousands of voices that I've heard what this particular person will 
look like when I hear them speak. Mm. But yeah, it's just, this is never right, which is hilarious to me. Um, so yeah, just even knowing that, just even experiencing that just changes, changes your connection with someone. So, um, just basically, I guess the whole point of this whole riff for the last little while that we've been on about is just making sure that we're nurturing mm. social connections with physical people who are right there rather than just, yeah. um, being stuck in a virtual world or, um, or just not doing it at all, you know? Just thinking yeah, that you're I all agree. good and by yourself. And talk, communicate, get it out, just talk. Mm -hmm. If you can't talk, talk, like you said at the beginning, just talk to yourself, you know? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. So <laughs> have a full-blown yeah. conversation with yourself. Yeah, and then you hear like several <laughs> voices start coming out from that. You go, all right, maybe I need to get it checked out now. <laughs> yeah. Right, you turn yourself into a schizophrenic yeah don't do that but you know have, have, have say stuff out loud it's fine yeah, that's it <laughs> yeah one thing when Huberman asked Dyseroth in that or rather he was explaining how when he's thinking he needs to be completely still so he just likes to have sit somewhere and just think he needs to be able to think through some stuff and it just got me thinking about mm -hmm. how people think best you know, so he's like i need to be still so there's like there isn't a distraction of movement or whatever um mm. i find um and like you know yes it was a good example of this as well i wouldn't know if it's my best thinking but i think i get a lot more epiphanies if i'm using my body if i'm physically doing something okay so i was working out yesterday yeah. and there were just a couple of things that came to me and um just what we were talking about earlier, the idea of rumination and how that is uh, is heavy and it makes things feel a thousand times worse. But while I'm working out, there's there's an expressiveness that's there as well. Mm. And I, then that gets used without me, you know, consciously aware of it, but it just helps to clarify my thoughts and it helps me to... Um, see the best in them as well and then also see the best in myself and be able yeah. to um yeah there, well there's that clarity there's the other thing that comes out of it is yeah that's that's basically it actually there's because if i was i was just going to use other words to explain the same thing and i was like no it's just clarity yeah, just, there's, there's a lot of clarity yeah. uh, about you know, about my own character as well, um, because one of the things that you're doing there is you're putting yourself through physical distress, or what is eustress, um, if as long as it's not overtraining, eustress is good stress, but it's basically physical mm -hmm. stress, and stress is adaptive. And But when you're doing something stressful, it always feels like it's freaking hard work, and you're just like, oh, I want, don't want to do this. So you're learning a lot about your character while you're doing that, and... Mm -hmm. you're trying to see that through. So I'm trying to see that activity through. And so I'm basically tapping into the best of myself when I do that, right? I'm trying to tap into yeah. um, perseverance. I'm trying to tap into uh, appreciating the struggle, tapping into uh, what it means to me to do this. And so when I, but so by extension, when I am physically active, 
I am thinking better because I think better of myself and because I've realized the things I can put myself through and come out of it better on the other side. It keeps me in tune with the things that are important to me as well because of that, um, essentially the affirmations that are going on through my mind of just, hey, just stay with this because this means this much. It means this to you. It means you're going to be strong when you're 80. It means that, you know, you can stand on your own two feet without feeling like you're going to fall down when you're 80 years old. It means that, you know, if you ever have grandkids, Mm. you'll be able to run around with them and still play with them, that kind of thing. And um, so there's all of that, I guess, attached to it and that clarity that it creates feeds into everything else as well. So I just use that to say, you know, do podcast work, you know, put the effort into creating snippets of the podcast. Otherwise, if I didn't feel if if I couldn't tap into that, I wouldn't do that. Right. So this is a case of using my body to take care of my mind. And there's, there's so much to it. It's how valuable it is, is almost incomprehensible. And so we need to be able to do that. But it basically, mm. it got me thinking about that because there's somebody saying they need stillness to think well. And then there's me saying, I need movement to think well. And uh, like, where would you sit? Do you know how, mm. do you know what affects you like when you get your best thinking done? Yes, I do. I, just before I go into that, it's quite interesting. It's like the, there's two very different ways, but it's almost like meditation, isn't it? You can either do a moving meditation or a or a still meditation. So it's just maybe accessing different parts of the brain as well mm-hmm. to create that thought process, like Andrew Huberman saying that he needs to sit still because maybe he's trying to access slightly no, different things. Other, or maybe that's just the way he... Yeah, it's the other guy. Oh, sorry, the other yeah. guy. Sorry. Um, but maybe he, you know, or that's just the way he focuses better. Whereas, you know, there's just different methods to everything. But for me, it's, it's traveling. It's actually not just movement for me that makes me think best. It's traveling. Um, and so traveling, I could be in my car. Oh, right. Actually the act of traveling. So being on a train, being in a car. Yeah, to traveling. So, so being on a journey. Yeah. So being mm. on a bus, on a train, whatever, that's when I do my best thinking. So mm. walking, mm. that's like, the, the most basic of, of traveling movements of journey mm. and and I think really well and, and that's when I'm at my most creative and my most flow in my most flow state when I'm walking and I can even have music on but it has to be something that allows me to flow so for example soundtrack music like you and I both know that I love Tenet and and that's something that will help me flow mm. and when I get into that flow I'll start thinking of things and I'll pull stuff from my mind and that's when I start getting really creative the same thing happens to me when I'm driving. Unfortunately, when I'm driving, I get these amazing thoughts, but I can't write them down. So that's mm. really tricky because that's probably when I do some of my best thinking. Have you ever just thought of just getting also... a voice recorder? A voice thing? A voice recorder, yeah. Or so just break up. Yeah. yeah. Or just use your, I, yeah, use your phone. Have, but... It's like quickly speaking yeah, to it. It's just because often not. I've, I've often got Nora in the car, mm. so it, and then and then you have to have a whole pro. So it, that doesn't really work for me. But um, it could be your scribe. If, if it's a yeah, I'm <laughs> No, because sometimes it, you know it's 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 just gobbledygook, and then I have to like organise my thoughts. But it will be often like a really good thought process about something that I want to write or say or do. Um, Sometimes I stop the car. It's that good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I damn. need to write it down. I'm a I don't mean like that. Get this down. It's, it's, oh God. No, 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 I don't mean like that. 
But you know what I mean? Um, it's just like, I need to write it down now. That was a really good way of saying that. Um, but I do the same thing on buses and, and, and trains mm. as well. Buses and trains. Like, often on buses when I'm up high, it sounds really weird. My brain's so weird. But when I'm up high and I can see horizon mm. and I almost go into that, I suppose, panoramic panoramic gaze or I just like lower my gaze and and that allows me to get really super creative mm-hmm. so for me it's 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 movement it's journey yeah um, but that's not even weird that's so like when I'm that, training. that last one that you said that's not even that no. weird because you're getting a great um uh you're enhancing aspect, your field of vision it? yeah you're getting the aspect and um, yeah. there's yeah I can't remember exactly the mechanism but it does help you become more uh um, more able to take expansive. in expansive yeah you're able to take in what's going on in your environment more and it can mm. shape the things that you're feeling so it can help spark some creativity i guess uh, i can't remember yes. there's, there's a mechanism but um okay. but yeah but yeah just like the idea of just looking yeah at the horizon which is what you said having that um mm. long distance yeah. view panoramic view just helps you to stop being so is it is the 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 physical thing that you're experiencing is a good, um, m- it's like even a metaphor for actually what's going on. It's like you're able to take in more of the world um, by having that um, panoramic view, by looking out of the horizon, mm. you get yourself out of tunnel vision. You're able to look at things in landscape, let's say. And then, yeah. whereas if something's like right up in front of you, you know, we work on computers all day mm. or everybody's looking at a phone all day, then your doesn't work for me. Yeah, your field of vision yeah. becomes more um, uh, parochial and your thought pattern becomes more parochial as well. So yeah. you're able to open yourself up by doing that. So yeah, that, um, that, makes, yeah. that makes total sense to me. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's movement, um, but movement not as you say. I, I don't really have a thought process when I'm actually exercising or doing movement movement like resistance or whatever um but for me it's journey and it's travel it's actually traveling mm. that's when i that's when i think best so yeah i often i often go for a walk to try and allot my thoughts and collate my thoughts and get some clarity mm-hmm. with what i'm trying to say yeah and that i find i actually find having conversations on the phone better when i'm walking as well yeah i don't know if you, you find that but i cannot sit and have a conversation. I have to either be again traveling in a car or walking, and I find that I'm able to communicate better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's a phenomenon that I noticed myself, and then I actually found out about it a while ago. And it is one of those things where mm. actually, especially if you're going to be taking an important phone call, you always to get up yes. and you start walking. Yeah. out. you just don't yeah. sit still. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's um, thinking better thinking that comes through movement as well you mm, just yeah. through locomotion and then when when that happens you're able to you're able to yeah you're able to think better you kind of you're standing up so you can project your voice more you can feel more confident right. doing all that kind of stuff there's there's something to it where it helps you to like the the movement centers of the brain i think they are interacting with like language centers of the brain at some point. And uh, so, yeah, so they're helping you to put things, uh, put things together with better, um, yeah, better clarity. And you're having a better conversation with that as well. I wonder if we mm. did, if we did a walking yeah. podcast. I did say, I was just suddenly thinking about like, let's do a walking podcast and see what happens. Yeah. 
just be like way too much background noise. That's the only problem. I know. Too stressful. Yeah. No, it's cool. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to, thought I'd ask you about that as well. Like, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, well, there's different exercises as well, because when you're saying like traveling, walking being a fundamental thing, but traveling also not necessarily just using your own body, but just being in a car, mm. being in a bus, uh, would the same thing happen for you being in a plane? Because I guess with a car and a bus, you can actually look out and no. see the world around you. Or is in a plane? No. Uh, no. Unless I was by the window. Mm. Mm, it's no, not really. Mm. Same with a tube. It doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, okay. I find that stressful anyway. So, yeah, it's it's more the visual mm. for me. Yeah. Boats would do the same. Right. I, I like traveling on boats. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Um, so it's basically being able to see the horizon is is yeah. what helps or being able to see moving. that outside world yeah. is what helps while you're yes. moving. Yeah. That makes sense. Just glad I yeah. clarified that because between being in, being in a vehicle, which doesn't have access to the outside world and you're just stuck inside like a tube or yeah. a plane versus actually yeah, I don't like that. being able to see the outside world. Yeah. And then there's yeah. certain exercise, like for example, jujitsu will just be, you're in that zone because again, you're trying not to die. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's just yes. like thinking wise is there's, there's not a lot else going on, you know? It's just, no, I don't is, think yeah. I'm not thinking, yeah. but that's quite nice. It's actually quite nice being mm -hmm. so present because you're trying not to die. There's something mm. really, really special about being so present that you're not thinking about anything else. Mm. I mean, it will stop like doing jits, doing wrestling will stop all other th thought processes for me. And I'm only in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another value to doing martial art as well. You are so in the moment because you have to be. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's that meditation that you're talking about. So yeah. You can meditate in, uh, in various forms. You can meditate in stillness or you can meditate through mm. movement. And um, that feels yes. always feels like a meditation because it's just presence, you know, that's what it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what meditation is. It's being present and, and only being present, not only, but always coming back to the present moment. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you got some birds going crazy back there. Can you hear them? <laughs> yeah. So annoying. That was hilarious. But, um, Every day, all day. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's like, gives you that sense of being in nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, all I get. Yeah. All right. Day. Um, yeah, I think, um, having practices like that is just so important. I think that's why, you know, another reason yeah. that I love doing that and love doing jits is just that aspect of it as well. Just something that puts you fully in the moment Yeah, and, um, and that's quite, Definitely. quite a meditative thing. And I think the ability, yeah, the ability to switch off distractions and just focus on the thing at hand, that is kind of meditative yes. as well just whatever it is and like you know, earlier talking about okay you can get a sense of overwhelm by like ruminating too much about things and then just pick the one thing and the most important thing to do and just do that and then whenever i do that mm. the only way i really feel like you're making progress with that kind of thing and getting something out of it is just you know locking distractions away so putting my phone away and keeping it outside and out of mind yeah. basically outside really does it for me it could literally be like right there but if something is over it <laughs> covering it then it's out of my sight so then it's out of mind wow. and um, 
and it's good when I have to go through a moment of where's my phone, because and that means yeah. I don't remember what I did with it, That's and that really means good. I've been focusing on the flow thing. state. Yeah, and nice. And, uh, and that's, and that's always useful. So, and because it's like the biggest distraction, I think we experience in the modern world that, and like, you know, having mm. 17 tabs open while trying to focus on one freaking thing that you're trying to research on the internet is, um, yes. is detrimental as well. But so detrimental. when you, when you get rid of that, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's very meditative to be able to get yourself into that flow state and you're at your best when you're doing that as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, that combination of like using your intelligence and creativity and your muscle for getting things done. It's just basically consolidating everything good about yourself when you're able to do that. Whereas when you're in that distracted state and you're constantly flitting between uh, different tasks, you feel kind of at a loss and a bit hopeless with it because you're actually operating at a very slow speed. Yeah, agitated. Yeah. And because you're just operating at such a slow speed because you're not actually getting something done in a productive, Mm. uh, progressive manner. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Seems like a natural end for this week. Yeah, sounds good. Good. Thank you for bringing up a valuable topic to discuss. Um, You are welcome. I hope that was useful. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it is because... We can shed a lot of light on that kind of thing and just just realize that, you know, it ain't a big deal if you feel like you need some help working on your own mental health. No. Because just treat it as if you were going to work on your physical health. Just don't wait till it becomes a cancer, basically. And just exactly. And, yeah. And work on it so that you're you're as healthy as you can be. If you're not working on your mental health, um, you know, how healthy are you really? So stay stay the course with uh stay the course with your mind and uh definitely just work on it but so uh, yeah thanks for everybody for tuning in i hope uh hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, if you did please let us know with a review and a rating on apple Podcasts, especially uh subscribe to the show on your favorite platform whether that's youtube apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast Podchaser, amazon music you name it well, all of them subscribe on all of them just favor um yeah we it will help us really get the show out there as well so i uh, hope you enjoy and uh, if you want to let us know what you thought of the episode as well please get in touch with us on instagram at evolve achieve thrive and follow the show there as well for clips and quotes from the show itself so thanks again and we'll catch you soon bye